Welcome to the Family Worship Center podcast. Each week we bring you our message from our Sunday morning services at Family Worship Center in Beaumont. So he says if you don't have the Spirit, then you don't belong to Him at all, and Christ lives within you. So even though your body will die because of sin, the Spirit gives you life because you have been made right with God. We hope you find this message encouraging. We're going to look at this morning, Philippians chapter 3. Gonna, as we're approaching Easter, that's my mind is working in that direction, and you know, uh, Easter is a is going to be a grand opportunity. If you know somebody, might be your neighbor, might be your friend, might be your coworker, might be a family member. Uh, Easter is going to be us celebrating Christ and giving people an opportunity not only to worship. And we're going to have some good worship. Zach and the praise and worship team are working on stuff, but. There's also going to be the opportunity that somebody would hear the gospel. And as I shared with you, I was saved on April 1st. And I'm going to tell you something. You can hear the gospel and not have listened to it. And I was living proof. I could actually tell you the story probably as good as anybody could. I knew the story. It's it's hard to live, especially in the South, And not know the gospel story. Everybody here has heard about Jesus. But have they listened to the story? That's the the issue at hand. And I'll never forget. It was a a drama. And we're going to have some drama involved in this. So don't forget, Zach announced it earlier. But if you didn't hear it, if you want to be involved, there's going to be some some scenes uh, involved in that. So if you want to be involved in that and get into the costumes like we do sometimes. Uh, Zach needs your help, a few people, so be sure and see him. But I remember I went to, uh, actually, Angie had invited me to go several weeks in advance. She said, I'd like for you to go to this uh, drama with me. And at the time, I said, yeah, 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 sure. Just, you know, avoid the argument, avoid the conflict. And I'll never forget that particular day, we had bought a farm, and I was trying to put a driveway in. We were going to build a house. And so it was the first pretty day that spring. And the guy had brought me 40 loads of gravel that day. And I was, I was on the tractor spreading gravel. Well, she rolls up. And we're still, I mean, there we're gravel just knee deep. And uh, she pulls up, drives up the driveway, stops where I had the tractor at. And she said, are you ready to go? And I knew what she was talking about. And I said, Go where? And she said, well, you said you'd go with me to this drama. And so as I have shared with you before, at that particular moment, I threw uh, what we always referred to as a little cowboy fit. I was a kicking and a cussing and stomping, and I didn't want to go. And uh, it was going to be hard to convince me to go. And for those of you that know Angie, you know, at this particular juncture, it was a God thing because she didn't say a word. I mean, she didn't argue with me. She didn't. And I finally said, okay, I'll be to the house as soon as the tractor can get there, jump through the shower. Mad the whole time. I could be over there spreading gravel. I got to go watch this thing. And so it was a, it was an Easter production, kind of like we've done here at Christmas time before. Less than cellular. I mean, every one of those, I think, is, is hard to portray what it really is about. 
But there was this moment, and I was in a sanctuary, a large sanctuary full of people, but at one particular point, whenever Jesus was on the cross, I guarantee you it was just like to me, it, was, it, it felt like to me I was alone in a room with God. And he just simply spoke to my heart and said, this is what I did for you. And so I'm okay, I acknowledge that. At the end, and, and the Lord always knows exactly what to put in somebody's mind and heart and that's going to reach somebody. But the preacher, that night he said, uh, if you think you're going to heaven, but you want that concrete proof, then you need to make a decision tonight. And see, up until that point, I had met Christians. I had met believers before. And when I compared my life to theirs, I was like, hey, I'm living as good as they're living. Sometimes the way we live betrays our witness. And I remember even one time there was a preacher that came and talked to me, and he, you know, he started bringing up all this stuff, you know, you need to make a decision, but he didn't tell me why. And I'm like, hey, I've never killed anybody. I've never robbed anybody. I've never done anything like that. I'm a pretty good person. That's the argument that you get here in the belt buckle of the, of the Bible belt. We live right in the buckle, you know, the big shiny belt buckle. <laughs> it is, I'm not a bad person. And that's true, but being a good person is not going to get you to heaven. It's knowing Jesus Christ, having your sins forgiven, having him as your Lord and Savior. And so that was my argument. I'm a pretty good person. But that, that preacher said that night, he said, if you think you're going to heaven, if, you're, if you think you're good and you think that, that everything's a-okay, but you want that concrete proof, would you just slip your hand up? I want to make a decision for Christ. And I'm like, well, yeah, everybody in here will have their hand up. I was one of the few. And I'll never forget that night. Nobody had to lead me in a sinner's prayer. I'd never heard one before, but whenever I made my way up front and I prayed, it was a heartfelt prayer. And I, 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 I really, I mean, when I went for Jesus, I went wholehearted. And I'll never forget, for about the next three days, I felt like I was walking about that far off the floor. Amen? I mean, I just felt so free, so liberated. And, and as I've shared with you, I've kind of scratched my way through uh, the process of becoming a, a, a disciple, not just a believer in Christ. So maybe there's somebody that you know that is in that same boat. It might be a family member. It might be a friend. Invite them to come with you. Amen? And they will get an opportunity to make that decision on the same day that I did, <laughs> on that Sunday. So be sure to do that. But anyway... Uh, before I forget it, because I forgot it last week, Deckham, raise your hand, wave at everybody, newest member, Family Worship Center. <laughs> he filled out a form at the end of the service a couple of weeks ago, and uh, I just hadn't had the opportunity because last week was a little bit different, and uh, I just I let it slip my mind, but we welcome him. Be sure at the end of the service, come by and shake his hand, get to know him. But we're looking at third chapter of Philippians. And Paul says this, it's uh, verse 10 and 11. He says, I want to know Christ and experience the mighty power that raised him from the dead. I want to suffer with him, sharing in his death, 
so that one way or another I will experience the resurrection from the dead. Let's pray. We'll get into the message. Father, thank you again for your presence, for your word. We're excited about you, Lord. And we're just looking forward to the great things that you've got in store for us. We invite you into this place. And not just into this place, but into our hearts. Lord, there may be a thousand things on our mind this morning. Would you help us to focus in for just a few minutes? And Lord, think about nothing but you and us. And so, Lord, we just we give you praise, we give you honor, we give you glory for all the great things that you've got in store for us. And we thank you for it all. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, Amen. Uh, the first thing that Paul says is, I want to know him. Okay? And sometimes English language is a little lacking in, in what that particularly means because we kind of take it as acquaintance. Because how many times have you ever said something, somebody's mentioned it in a name, hey, hey, do you know Wayne Meeks? And I, yeah, 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 I know, I know Wayne. I know, I know who he is. Sometimes we say, I don't know him, know him. You ever said that one? I don't know him, know him. But I know him. I know who he is. I know the name. I've seen him before. And that's kind of, sometimes kind of the way we approach Christ. And as I just said, here in the, in the south, in the, in the buckle of the Bible belt, yeah, 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 everybody knows about Jesus. Everybody's heard that name. Yeah, 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 I, I know him. I, I don't know him, know him. But I know about him. And see, here's the thing. It's not enough to know about him. We've got to know him. Now, I don't want to be rude and crude. But that word know is, especially in original language, is an intimacy word. It is the word in the Old Testament whenever... Adam knew his wife and they conceived a child. I think that might be more than I know him, know him. Okay? It is an intimacy. It is personal. It is closeness. It is something that goes beyond, yeah, 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 I know, yeah, yeah, we're acquaintances. It goes way, way, way beyond that. It is an intimacy that he knows me and I know him and he knows all about me. I've, I've not given him just half of my heart. I've, I've not given him just uh, the three quarters of my heart. I've given Jesus all my heart. He knows everything about me. I have, I have given him everything that I am, everything that I've ever done, all that mean, ugly, rotten stuff that I've done in my past. I have told him all about it even though he already knew. It's an intimacy. It's a personal thing. It's just like, and I'm picking on Wayne because he's on the front seat, but if Wayne writes a book, okay? Wayne writes a book, How to Rebuild a House and Play Golf. That's two things he could certainly write about. And I buy that book in the store. I go to, I go to Books A Million, and I go in there, and there it is up on the, on, the, on the little display in the front. And I say, that's a pretty interesting book. I think I'll get that. And on the, the dust cover, you know how they always have that little insert on the side that tells about the author? I don't usually read those because I hate dust covers. 
Anybody else hate dust covers on a book? I peel them off. The first thing, I, I throw them away because I hate those things. They're always coming out and everything. But if you took time to read the dust cover before you threw it away, and there's a picture of Wayne, and it says Wayne lives in Hampshire, Texas, and he's married to Kathy, and he's got you know two sons and, and tells all about them. And one day, I'm just out and about in Beaumont, and I look and I see... Wayne's pretty face. And I say, that is the guy that wrote the book that I read. Man, I really enjoyed it. Hey, 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 how you doing? How you doing today? Oh, how's Kathy? How's Duran? How's Wes? All right, how's the house? Yeah, just getting there. How's the golf game? You hadn't played in months. And you know, about this time, there's something that's going to be crossing Wayne's mind. Who are you? <laughs> yeah, why did he put the dust cover on the book? And see, here's, here's the deal. I know about him. I know all about him. I can tell his story. But I don't know him. I know all about him, and sometimes we know all about Jesus, but we don't know him. We've read his book. We've heard his stories. We've went to church, and we've sung songs to him. But we don't know him. We just know about him. And see, Jesus talks to this, because at that day and time, whenever that Second judgment, that great white throne judgment comes along. There's going to be people that are going to stand before him. And he's going to say, depart. And they're going to say, but, 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 but wait a minute, Lord. Didn't we do awesome things in your name? Didn't we do miracles in your name? And he says, you got to go. Because I don't know. Sometimes we're all about the knowing about him and we avoid him knowing us and us knowing him. And so what Paul is saying is I want to know him. I want to know everything about him. He, He goes into the depths that he wants to know Christ and it's not just about him. It's that intimacy. It's that time and place, whatever, we have given it all to him and we have become a part of him and that we realize that without him we are undone, that we are lost and undone and going to hell. See, sometimes we don't like hearing that. And those are pretty bold words to say, but without him we're lost and undone and we're going to hell. But with him and through him, Paul talks about this. We can do all things. Why? Because he strengthens me. He's a part of me. Paul says it this way. He said, I am crucified with Christ. I hung on that cross with him. I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ lives in me. And the life that I now live, I live by the faith of the Son of God. Not not by faith in the Son of God, but by the faith of the Son of God. 
In other words, he has become a part of me, and without him, I no longer exist. I am dead in Christ. Nevertheless, I'm walking, I'm talking, I'm breathing, but not me. It's Christ that lives in me. And so Paul says, I want to know him on that level. I want to know him to the point, not just know about him, not, not just, not just uh, uh, know something, I've not just read his book. I know him. That if they were to take this thing away that we call the Bible, that I would know him better. Amen. Because I'm, I have a relationship with him. I have an intimacy with him. And let me tell you, just like when Adam knew his wife and they conceived, the more time we spend with Christ, the more we're going to conceive in ideas and, 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 and get wisdom from him and be able to discern things that we've never discerned before. Why? Because he left us the Holy Spirit who is a part of him to dwell in us always. Amen? So Paul says, I want to know him. How do you want to know him, Paul? First of all, he says, in power. And that's for us growing in him. He left us the Holy Spirit. And he told his disciples, he said, I don't even want you. Now, the disciples were saved. Okay? They had a relationship with Christ. But whenever he's going, he says, I don't even want you guys going and doing ministry anymore. Until you be endued with power from on high. They've already been out doing ministry. What's the deal? He knew they needed that power. And he said it is expedient that I go to the Father. So that the Holy Spirit can come to you. Now see there's, there's two ways that the Holy Spirit works in us. One is the indwelling. And that happens whenever we make that commitment to Christ. Whenever we say Lord I am a sinner. Would you forgive my sins? Would you come into my heart? Would you save me? I accept what you did on that cross as my atonement. Thank you for loving me and saving me. Guess what? You have been saved and the Holy Spirit comes and dwells within you. But there's also a second part to that, and that is whenever he grows in us and empowers us, that's the infilling of the Holy Spirit. In, in Acts chapter 19, uh, they're traveling around, and they find some disciples who had heard about Christ, had made that commitment. They were saved. It says that they were disciples. And so they go, and, and, and Paul says, have you received the Holy Spirit since you believed? Now, wait, if they were saved, had, didn't they already have the indwelling of the Holy Spirit? Yes. But he says, you need more than that. You need the infilling. And so they were baptized. He asked them, how, how were you baptized? And they said, we were baptized by John's baptism. What was John's baptism? For the repentance of sin. Water baptism for the repentance of sin. He said, then you need to be baptized by this new formula. Jesus gave us the formula. He said that we should go and make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. They are baptized, water baptized again. And then the apostle Paul laid hands on them. And what happened? They were filled with the Holy Spirit. And began to speak in tongues and prophesy. That's the gifts of the Spirit mentioned in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. That has not ended. 
I've met people before, and you've heard me tell about the story that I, I dealt with this guy. We talked at great length, and he said, anybody that knows anything knows when the last apostles uh, passed away that the age of miracles ceased. And I said, could you tell me book, chapter, and verse on that one? Well, no, but anybody that knows anything knows it happened. Well, then why did, why did the, a big portion of, of this New Testament that we have get wasted on telling us how to operate in the gifts of the Spirit? Amen? Why does it even mention it? If, if God knew that it was going to pass away within a very few years, why does it mention it? It's because it didn't end. It's because that is a part of our experience, that the fruit of the Spirit, it mentioned in Galatians, which is peace, joy, love, kindness, goodness, all, all those. I probably I missed some there. But then the, the gifts of the Spirit mentioned in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, which is wisdom and knowledge and prophecy and tongues and all that stuff healing that all those things operate as well and sometimes we're woo woo we're all about the gifts of this i mean the fruit of the spirit yeah everybody needs peace or love kindness goodness all that stuff and sometimes we get kind of weird about the the gifts of the spirit but i'm going to tell you the gifts of the spirit still operate in the church and so we don't need to think that's something strange or something weird. If, if somebody gets a word of knowledge, somebody gets a word of wisdom, somebody, somebody gives a message in tongues. We don't need to flip out about that. That's part of it. I, I mean, I've got to be honest with you. First time I ever heard anybody speak in tongues in church, woo! It was like, wow, what is going on here? But you know what it did? It, it got a hook in me because I, I felt the presence of God in it. I knew it was God, and I was one of those. I'm like, man, this is wild. Never experienced anything like that, but I know God's in it because I feel it. And so the more that we experience that, the more that we get to know him, it's not a strange thing anymore. Because I'm telling you, I have always felt like God is always, God is always transmitting. It's just whether our receiver can pick it up or not. And sometimes we get tuned into all the stuff in the world. We're watching TV. We're watching movies. We're on our phones. We're on our iPads. We're on our computers. And all that stuff is good stuff. I'm as techie as anybody. Amen. I like my technology, but there's sometimes we need to put it away and we need to listen for the voice of God. And he, I, think he's always, I think he's always transmitting. It's just whether we can get tuned in to hear that transmission. There's been too many times whenever I would feel like God was, was saying something to me. And if you're like me, you always question yourself. Is that me? Or is that that pizza I ate last night? But the thing that I have seen is God will always confirm it. And, and I mean, just in the last couple of weeks, I've had one of these things. I, I, I'm going through the Bible again this year. I, I, I do it start at the first of the year every year. Sometimes I'm reading it. Sometimes I let somebody read it to me. This year, I'm letting somebody read it to me. But every day, I listen to it. And then the next, how many ever days is left, I'll get through the end of the Bible. Uh, sometimes I read it myself. And I just start at the beginning. I've, I've done it any number of ways. The main thing is we're getting that word. And... There have been some things that I felt like the Lord was speaking to me, and, and then maybe the next day or, the, or, or two days later, all of a sudden here would come the scripture that would confirm that. And it's like, whoa, isn't that a coincidence? 
I don't think it's a coincidence. And then I might pick up something, might pick up a devotional and re- read for that day, and it's like, whoa, it's the same thing here. Or turn on the television, and, and somebody's preaching, and, and there it is, or listen to a podcast or the radio or whatever it is, and all of a sudden, I mean, it's just like in flashing lights, whatever it was that God was speaking to you, it just comes at you a multitude of ways. I think that's God always transmitting, always speaking to us it's whether we can get tuned in and hear it or not so paul says i want to know him and i want to know him in his power and that is through the power of the holy spirit uh romans chapter 8 paul says this and he says you're controlled by the spirit if you have the spirit of god living in you and then in parentheses he said and remember that those who do not have the spirit of christ living in them do not belong to him at all so in other words if you're saved the holy spirit lives within you he lives he lives christ jesus lives today he walks with me he talks with me along life's narrow way he lives he lives salvation to impart you ask me how i know he lives he lives within my heart amen that's worth the hand clap So he says, if you don't have the Spirit, then you don't belong to him at all. And Christ lives within you. So even though your body will die because of sin, the Spirit gives you life because you have been made right with God. The Spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. And just as God raised Christ from the dead, he will give your mortal bodies the same uh, through the Spirit living within you. So it's that power from on high. And realize that same Spirit that raised Jesus up on that third day dwells within us. So even though our mortal bodies may die, I'm looking for the rapture. That would suit me just fine. How many of y'all, same thing? Yeah, let's get a majority going here. Like John said, even so, Lord, come quickly. But here's the thing, this one thing I know, that whether I go by way of the grave, because it's part of the, the sin that happened in this world and broke it for all of us. Sin entered into the picture, it broke the relationship between man and woman, it broke the relationship between man and the earth, and it broke the relationship between both man and woman and God. That's why, that's why we live in a sinful world. That's why, I mean, it's a broken planet. We're broken people. We lead broken lives. So one day, should the Lord tarry, I'm going to get old and I'm going to pass away. I've, you've heard me say this before. My prayer is that I live to be 100 and run out of mind, body, and money on the same day. Amen. I don't want to live and not be sharp. I don't, want to, I don't want to live and be poor and broke and out of money. But here's the thing. 100 run out of mind, body, and money all on the same day. And, and that'll be a good thing. Amen. But one day that's going to happen. Should the Lord tarry. Now, if he decides to come back in the meantime, then it's very, very clear. He describes it in Thessalonians when he's talking to that church. They're looking for the resurrection of Christ. And he said, we don't know when it's going to happen, but let me reassure you that whenever it does, that those of us who are alive at that time, we're going to hear a a trumpet. The the trumpet of God's going to sound. And those who have already gone on in Christ are going to come up out of the ground and we're going to go up with them and we're all going to meet in the clouds and we're going to forever be with the Lord. Amen? 
So whether we, amen, that's a good thing to clap about. So whether we go by way of the grave or whether we go by the way of the rapture whenever it takes place, guess what? The end result is we're going to be with the Lord. What is it going to matter? Amen? So the only thing I'm looking forward to is being with him and knowing that that same spirit that raised Christ up dwells within me and dwells within you. Amen? So... Paul says, I want to know him. I want to know him in that power. I want to experience everything he's got for me. I want to know him in fellowship. Now, you've heard me talk about this word before. It's kononia. It's the word that fellowship means. And it, it means something that no other word will apply to. Okay? My definition of it, it is that something-something that happens whenever God and his people get together. There's no other definition for it. That word has become archaic and there's no translation. We translate it as fellowship. But it's something more than that. It is that intimacy that I talked about knowing him. It is that intimacy with one another. It is an exchange that happens. Have you ever come into church and maybe maybe you got up on Sunday morning and you said, Man, I just don't want to go to church. But I'm going to go because I know I need to. And you come in here, we start singing some songs. And we start praising the Lord, and, and the Spirit comes in, and all of a sudden, I mean, you leave, and you're like, "Woo! I'm glad I didn't miss church this morning. I remember whenever I first got saved, and I was really seeking the Lord uh, about, you know, growing in Him, and I'm just seeking, seeking how to understand the, the Holy Spirit. And I'll never forget, it seemed like, uh, well, it didn't seem like, I think it was a plot from the enemy. I never get headaches, okay? I just don't have headaches. And every Sunday afternoon, I'd get the splitness headache that you could imagine. I'm talking about just absolutely make you sick to your stomach. And I would say, man, I don't feel good. I think I'll stay home. And then I'd, 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 I'd feel conviction about it. I'd say, well, no, I'm going to go. Head be splitting. I mean, it's just one of those times, and you've all, we've all experienced it, where you felt like, if, hey, everybody's singing songs and praise the Lord, and you felt like if you lifted your hand like, like that, it was just going to break off at the shoulder and flop in the floor. But I'll never forget this. I went time after time, Sunday after Sunday afternoon. I'd get those splitting headaches, and I would get up and go to church feeling terrible, feeling like if I lifted that hand up, it was just going to fall off at the shoulder. And I'll never forget, there was not a single time that if I didn't go and worship the Lord, that I would leave feeling like 100%. And, and get a blessing besides that. And so finally, it's, it's, we talked about it a couple of weeks ago. If you resist the devil, he's going to flee. All of a sudden, that stopped. I, I still, to this day, have to lay it off on. It was a plot of the enemy to try to not get me to go. And, and the thing is, I went anyway, and I got blessings. Amen? And I grew closer to the Lord, and I began to understand things a little more. So it is that fellowship... That whenever we get with the Lord and we get with the Lord's people, that all the, there's, there's an exchange that takes place. There, there's a, and it's not just praying for people, that's part of it. But there is an exchange. Fact is, some of the, some of the older church branches in our family tree, uh, they call it exchanging the peace. What we call 
meet and greet, fellowshipping. They call it exchanging the peace. And they'll actually shake hands and peace be with you and stuff like that. And they're, they're kind of making it more of a tradition thing, but it's the same thing that happens here. You can come in here and be down in the dumps, and you know what? You hug a few necks, you shake a few hands, and all of a sudden, a little pep in your step. You're feeling better than you did when you came in. Why? It's because of that kononia. It's that exchange that happens. And see, whenever we're with each other, we rub off on each other. Paul talks about it, and he's, he's warning people that be careful about the company you keep and that evil, evil manners, uh, evil communication corrupts good manners is what Paul says. In other words, you start hanging out with people that are acting ugly and talking ugly and doing ugly things. Guess what? Next thing you know, you're going to be doing it with them. But if you're hanging out with people that do good stuff and talking good and, and, and doing good things, guess what? That rubs off on you too. Have you ever, and I don't think we've got anybody in this church that does this, so I can freely talk about it. Back in the day when men would shave with, you know, like safety razors and stuff, they'd get done and they'd do the skin bracer thing. And if you ever been in church and shook hands with somebody that had just done the skin bracer thing, and next thing you know, you go to scratch your face or rub your nose or something, and you smell that skin bracer. Some of you are nodding. Some of you know what I'm talking about. Why? Because it rubbed off on you. Amen? <laughs> and if you do that, please don't do that. Wash your hands anyway. Because we don't want to smell the skin bracer. <laughs> but, but the deal is, it's just like that. You rub off on people. And the Spirit of God rubs off on us. I'll never forget whenever Jesse was a little thing. He was as cute as a button. I mean, he was just absolutely... My dad called him the chick magnet. Okay? My dad, would a lot of times, he'd end up with Jesse. And he said, he said I've had more women come up and talk to me since I started ha having Jesse on my arm than I ever have before. And he said, you know, they're all making over him and everything. So in church, we would always come in... And, and from the get-go, we wouldn't even get cleared into, into the door, and there'd be some woman taking him to hold him. Well, we would get him back, and I'm telling you what, he absolutely reeked. I, he had a mixture of every perfume that was going on in that church. I mean, it'd be like sometimes we'd put him in the car seat to take him home. It's like, oh, golly. I mean, it wasn't one single scent. It was every scent of every perfume that was in that church. And we'd had to take him home and bathe him. Why? Because it had rubbed off on him. And so Paul says, I want to know him in fellowship. I want to hang with Jesus. I want to hang out with him. I want to smell like him. And Paul says that when we are in fellowship with Christ, that we have become the aroma of Christ. To those that are perishing, it's the smell of death. And to God, it is a sweet-smelling savor. It is a perfume. That's why, have you ever walked into a place and maybe somebody just bowed up at you and you hadn't said a thing about Christ? It's because you smell like Him. And if they're perishing, you, you just reminded them that they're headed in the wrong direction. That's why sometimes that happens. And I want to hang out with Jesus enough that whenever I leave His presence, that I smell like. I don't think there's any greater thing that could happen in this world
And then finally, Paul says this, and we're going to finish up with this. Actually, finish the sermon. One setting. Mangy says, hurry up. <laughs> Paul says, I want to know him. I want to know him in power. I want to know him in fellowship. I want to leave his presence smelling like him. And I want to know him in hope. Because he goes on in here, and he bring, it, bring back up that scripture, the verse 11. And he says, so that one way or another, I will experience the resurrection from the dead. In other words, whether it's by way of the grave or whether it's that day that the Lord comes back and parts those skies, that one way or another, I know that I know that I know that I know that I know I'm going to be with him. Because see, here's the thing. Sometimes we get so caught up in this realm that we lose hope. Our hope is that one day we're getting out of here. Amen. One day, the Lord's coming back. And whether it is by way of the grave or whether it's by way of rapture, we are going to forever be with him. Paul says, I want to know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his suffering. What was? How did he suffer and die? No greater love has anyone than this that they laid down their life for their friends and Christ laid down his life for us. And I want to know him in hope so that I know one day, one way or another, I'm going to experience that same thing in Jesus' name.